This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Hello and welcome to Memory Lane. Each episode, I take a trip down Memory Lane with a very special guest as they bring in four photos from their lives to talk about. To check out the photos that we're talking about, they're all on the episode image and you can also see them a bit more clearly on our Instagram page. So have a little look at Memory Lane podcast. Come on, we can all be nosy together. So do you, are you a taker of photographs? How do you feel about photos? I take a lot of selfies, but I don't suck my cheeks in and put my lips out. <laughs> I just take a photo of how I look. Yeah. Uh, and I like to, because I've got a really bad memory and it's the easiest way to look back and go, oh, look at the things I did. Because I can't, I can't guarantee they're definitely in my brain of their own accord. Yeah. So I do take a lot of photos. Um, I take, I take photos of, I don't know, I just, I like to, like, if there's something happening, I like to take a photo of a memory uh, so so that I can look back and and remember that time. Because, like I say, I've got such a crappy memory. So if I'm out with friends, I'll be the one who goes, oh, let's all have a photograph. And everybody yes. else is like, you know. So it's I just, and of gigs, I like to do backstage of gigs. Remember gigs, Kerry? Yeah, I, oh, gigs, I remember oh. gigs. Oh, I like to do a backstage photo at a gig because then, then I can remember what happened and who I was with and how fun it was so yeah I mean I, th- I suppose social media is really nice for being able to put I like my Instagram I put nice photos up and stuff there but nothing too personal I yeah. suppose but yeah I, what we did instead we got a friend of ours who is a wonderful painter and he painted my favorite wedding photo oh, and we cow. have that on the wall so it's a bit like um like people are sketching our lives now yeah, <laughs> instead yeah. of taking photos we're going backwards yeah, it's it's like we're in a courtroom all the time. <laughs> so these fo- your first photo today. That's oh, let's start with the baby one. Yeah. So how? I mean, you're what one in that picture? I don't. I can't age babies. <laughs> no, one, I know what you something mean. Something I can't. You probably can because you you've had some. So I'd you say know what... about one. I'd say you've okay. got a bit of hair. You're upright. You're not flopping about. No, that's true. Is that that's good? Yeah, and little fat legs. Yeah, and chunky legs. I just yeah, I loved the just shoved in a corner for my sister's birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> Is that would that be symbolic of how you feel about that time? Was that the way it was, or just on that day? I think it's just how I feel about parties, <laughs> even oh, really? now. Even now. When was this? Is this the eighties? This picture. So I was born in seventy five, so seventy six. If that's if we're guessing, I'm a year. So okay. that would mean my sister would be. Uh, seven. And you got one sister. Yeah, yeah. And I was in that house. Well, I was. In, I mean, technically, I was in the house for twenty 
three years, 22 years, and then back again after divorced for another two and a half. Right. <laughs> Are you wrong that's still in that house? No, they're not. Not right, anymore. Right, right. But it was, yeah, they were for a long time. Was that and, a nice place uh, to grow up? Yeah, it really was. I just remember how... Like, the house wasn't necessarily big, but I, it had a really big, heavy wooden door that it felt like nothing could get you behind that door, you know? Oh, just yeah. slam the big, heavy door. Not like these ones these days with the handle that lifts up. And, <laughs> I and like the, those and handles. the key and all the... Yeah. <laughs> that is, I mean, what the lovely thing about photos I love is that they really are locked in time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's easy to go, oh, well, they're a bit shit because, you know, we've got such brilliant machines now to take photographs. But I quite like the fact that they're always a little bit shonky. Like, yeah. that picture... Now, now you delete it, wouldn't you? <laughs> to say, oh, of well, course. <laughs> I, you know, we'd zoom in, we'd get frame it properly, put a filter yeah. on it. You know, well, but... you probably in those days we probably took two because didn't you take two yes. just in case? Yeah, so there's I probably two of that. Yeah. I still do, and then I keep them all. <laughs> yeah, there'll but be yeah. another one. But that's, I mean, that, you know, that's one of a handful of photos I've got of me as a baby. We've got, we did have a Polaroid camera and there's a oh, photo of my sister lovely. and I doing uh, gymnastics, which neither of us were any skilled at, but both in leotards. And it's so blurry. You can't, I mean, if I told you what was in the photo, you might just be able to figure it out. Yeah. But you can't really see it because they just didn't age well, the old Polaroids. No. And you keep them anyway, because like you were saying yeah. earlier, your memory, you need it. You go, well, I'll have to keep even the shit photos. Do you remember yeah. the 70s? I don't remember much, uh, to be honest. I remember the clothes, my, more my mum's clothes than my clothes. I did have, when I was about four or five, so I guess that would still be in the 70s, I had Muppet trousers oh, that were yes. bright red and obviously flares, mm -hmm. and they had embossed Muppets, like, on the pockets. Oh, I and love all that stuff. incredible. <laughs> yeah. The clothes, because oh, I was a kid of the 70s, I was born in 73, so it's just the clothes. I remember, like, loads of velour. Yeah. So oh, yeah. much velour. So much. And just, uh, I mean, velvet was, like, far too posh really wasn't it everything oh, had to man. be but you had to I, I like the way you say it because I would say it velour which sounds ah, a lot a lot less posh <laughs> well it's just accent, it? but know, even yeah. the colours in that that's like 70s you've got you've solid brown backdrop there that's a oh, 70s yeah. and that was like wooden uh, really expensive my dad tells me uh, wooden sort of on the uh, wood on wood panelling on the walls right. that was there until they left uh, not long ago uh, so it's been it was there for Forever. and yeah. it was made the room very dark but also it looked quite fancy because i've never seen i've never seen it anywhere else and i've never seen it since or before and, and that was that was you know part of that room yeah um, so the biopic but, of your film that wall mm, has got to be found art department lot, have got to find that wall <laughs> a lot of wood paneling <laughs> has your sister got lots of pictures of you and her growing up not really. There's not that many pictures floating about, to be honest, because once they... Like, if you lose that bag, then they're just gone, aren't they? You yeah. can't, like, find them on a hard drive or find them in the cloud if, if you even knew how to do such a thing. I don't know how to find them in the cloud anyway. I just assume they're no. in a cloud. Yeah, I pay for a cloud, so I'm assuming they're in a cloud. But I think what I'd like to do on like during this time when it's all a bit you know crazy and we're not we've got time i've mm. got time is actually print some stuff off and put them in albums have and you done that though or is that just something no. you say yeah something that's just on the list of things that i think i'll do that i probably won't yeah same so if let's say you're one in that generic you're a yeah. baby let's say you're a one Yes. <laughs> You're a one-year-old baby. Which one would you say follows on? 
Because I, I think they wait. are in chronological. Uh, I couldn't even say chronological order. No, the next it one is to. Oh, does it? Or oh, maybe you've got them in a different order. Uh, I would next say yellow dungarees would be next. Oh wow! Is this the like Bo Peep? One? <laughs> oh no, sorry. The um, oh yellow the... dungarees. <gasps> yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. Is that uh, a proper poem? Like... Yeah, oh, it's a Dulcia Vitality poem. <laughs> so a what? That was the brand, Dulcia Vitality. What does that mean? <laughs> it's just the brand. Oh, a home poem? <laughs> uh, yes, but my mum was a hairdresser, so oh, right. I, while so I that... got a home poem, I, it was still done by a pro. A professional, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I think I think that's when I really found my look. <laughs> it's a great look. It's a great look. So this is the 80s now, surely, we're in. Yeah, yeah. So I think yes. this is probably... Maybe six or seven, maybe, yeah, maybe six or seven age. That's very um, young to have a perm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I bet the other mums were livid with your mum that they let... Because <laughs> when my daughter was pestering for, like, ear piercings, and I, I said, no, no, you're only six or seven. And she's like, but doodah's got it. I'm like, well, fucking doodah's oh. mum. Thanks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So well, I was the same when everybody had a rara skirt apart from me. Oh, but you had a perm, Sarah. I mean, <laughs> you smashed an, it. An early perm. But it's yeah, a great that must have Thanks. I see as I got older, the perms at school got very crispy. Mm-hmm. So they would be moosed and then left. Yes. Where yeah. I was very moosed and then brushed out. So mine was a bit more edging towards the nana perm than a lot of the people. But not at that age. People didn't have perms at that age. It was only me. But my mum used to keep me off PE to perm my hair. Because <gasps> it took a, oh it took a few God. hours. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to do PE to have a perm. Sorry, Sarah's not doing PE today. She's having a perm. Well, but it, I mean, we'd say that I wasn't very well. But then I'd go in the next day with a perm. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Age seven. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to assume it was some kind of fever that made your hair go curly. That's brilliant. I used to work in hairdressers when I was 12 on a Saturday. And I I mean, the per- I had loads of perms through the 80s. People don't have perms really now, do they? They're not a thing No, so my hairdresser won't let me. I keep saying, can I get a perm? No, she won't But do you remember when they grow out and you get that kind of drop? Yeah. And then there's like that 80s look. It's so distinctive of the 80s where you just get that bit of regrowth, good inch of oh, regrowth. Yeah. And then it just suddenly goes spiral. That that photo was my look for about ten years, and I, but I, my mum did once reperm the the growth. The roots, you know, you've right. got like your you've got your three inch growth or whatever. Yeah. But she didn't do it. She didn't really know how to do that, so she just permed all of my hair, <laughs> which meant the top bit was fine, but then the rest of it was like frizz. And then she didn't tell me, but she just cut it all off. Uh, and yeah and we had um we had like a cupboard door that you opened and there was a big full-length mirror and she put the chair in front of the door like you'd mm. open the door and we'd be sort of in the cupboard kind of and she didn't I didn't notice that she hadn't opened the door and she just got a bit snip happy and and just all of my it was so short it was like boy short and wow. I was really nervous when I went into school the next day so I had to get bullied quite a lot for a variety of things and I was really nervous and I went in and nobody noticed <laughs> oh god see was that a relief really, or a disappointment oh no a massive relief I mean right. it really pays to be like quiet in the corner <laughs> yeah it pays to not be loud and not be noticed and not being noticed normally is not a good thing but in that situation it was a blessing <laughs> but that's amazing because if you were like trying to avoid any you know bullying or too much attention to rock in with a perm it's quite it's kind but of like but people didn't really notice me I was so quiet I hardly ever spoke to anybody and really yeah, with, yeah. an introvert naturally 
Yeah, completely. And just because I guess I wasn't popular at school, I was very, um, I liked homework and I liked teachers and all those things that don't mm. really win you any friends when you're a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a, like, a best mate or you're alone? I had a couple of friends that we sort of stuck by each other all the way through and that was nice. But a lot of the time, um, I'd have to, I mean, I don't think many, well, maybe kids do these days as well. I'd have to think of how I was going to kill playtime. Really? And that's, yeah, and that's not a thing that kids really, not the majority of kids don't have to, they're all, you know, we're going to play football, we're yeah, going to yeah, play yeah. skippies or whatever, and, and I'd have to work out how I was going to kill the time. And what did you do to kill the time? Um, I got a Walkman, and I would just listen to my tapes sitting on a wall. And you were happy enough with that? Uh, well, there was no alternative, really. So right. uh, I paid a terrible picture. Um, but but a perm doesn't necessarily win you any friends, just because oh, you're man. wondering. <laughs> I mean, well, no, I but it's fine. It's it's all those things that make you a little bit different that then yeah. when you're an adult and you're a little bit different, it's great. An advantage, yeah, definitely. Yeah, total, massive advantage. Is that a school photo? Yes. Yeah, so, so we didn't wear... We didn't, yeah, we didn't wear uniform until the senior school. Oh, really? Yeah, is that so quite we, unusual? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but we. So I was like what twelve when I was wearing a uniform. So I was able to wear me yellow dungarees. <laughs> I always think it's a drag not having, wearing uniform for kids because you've got to then think about again what you're going to wear every day, which is another sort of pressure for, you know, kids. There's a sort of there's a it's quite liberating just to stick a uniform on. Yes, but the idea isn't it that it's supposed to mean that. Um, that you can't tell the poor kids from the yeah. better off kids and that's rubbish because obviously you within the uniform there's still quality of clothing there's yeah. still you know sort of different levels aren't there um, yeah but yeah but we didn't yeah i mean it was great not having a uniform really we, but ha, because we never had a uniform we didn't realize how good it was until obviously then we got uniform and i used to wear culottes with my uniform for oh no man this is total all. 80s jargon <laughs> perms and culottes i love it we're during the lockdown like ben and i sort of mixing um uh you know housework and chores and i found that there's a real thing about dads getting the kids and the grown the mum's clothes mixed up and i'll never forget my dad doing some washing when I was a kid in the 80s, and he put my brother, who's six years younger than me, in my culottes, thinking they were trousers. And my <laughs> mum was like, this, they're culottes! <laughs> it was such an 80s, like, way, they're culottes! <laughs> you can see that they're culottes. He's like, what are culottes? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a bloke thing, what are culottes? What like, the fuck pe- is a culotte, like, Linda? Like, Pedal pushers were a big thing as pedal well. Pedal pushers, what happened I to loved them? Him. Well, I couldn't even ride a bike yet. I was still allowed pedal pushers. <laughs> With the stirrups. Oh, no, the, yeah, the pedal pushers, just the little trousers to your knees. To your knees. So what were those things that used to go with the, with the stirrups? Oh, and... ski pants. Ski pants? What happened to <laughs> ski pants? I don't know. I don't know. I, I never really got into ski pants. I always thought they looked a bit thrushy, if I'm honest. <laughs> Thrush of the ankles, that's the wrong end. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be careful, everywhere's sensitive these days. <laughs> so, would you? So, when did you start performing? Do you reckon, even as a kid, were you like, um, probably oh, quite young? Uh, I used to perform at home, uh, right? And I used to perform, so we had a cork boiler, uh, that had 
tiles around it and I used to tap dance, right. uh, which was just clattering about because I didn't have any skills or tap shoes, but just clattering about on there. And I used to write poems and I used to read them out loud and uh, to my too? parents, to my mum and dad. Yeah. Um, and But behind a curtain, I was always... I'd hide behind the curtain and read them from behind the curtain. Oh, so they and couldn't see you? Yeah, I was too nervous. Oh, and wow. then when I came out, if I did well, my mum would give me a banana. <laughs> oh. But were they encouraging? Did you get a lot yeah. of bananas? It was like, yeah. that was great. I was full up to here on potassium. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Just because you're working out doesn't mean you shouldn't look fabulous. The Inspire Collection by Kalia was designed with both style and performance in mind. It looks good, feels good, and stays put no matter how you move. And the collection has everything you need for a day at the gym. A support bra, crop tanks, bike shorts, amazing leggings, and more. It's their most versatile collection yet. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. This picture with you in the yellow Bo Peep outfit oh yeah so that's i mean having just said you're an introvert now we've stumbled on the picture where you're more it seems more extroverted because you're all dressed up what's what's going on there so that is uh, older than you'd think so the one so there is one between those two ah, let's go uh, to that because, one then yeah so so yeah so i'll come back to that one okay um, but the the um the one of my bedroom wall so that's another poem you can see how oh, soft my lovely really poem rocking is the poems. I miss perms, and I really do. You've got the glasses on. You look at what's the woman from Coronation Street with the glasses? Deirdre Barlow. Deirdre Barlow. That's who you look like. Yeah, exactly. And that was that the look you were after. I don't think so. Uh, (laughs) As a a, as a teenage girl, (laughs) oh, I'd love to look like that. Like Deirdre Barlow. (laughs) But there's a lot of, as you can see, there's a lot of pictures of Philip Schofield. So was he like? Your heart throb. Yeah, he was my dream boat. And uh, I mean, still is, to be honest. Um, But I sent that photo to him. Did you? Yeah, I sent it oh, to him. And, and he and wasn't, like, creeped out. <laughs> he, he, sent, he sent it back. <gasps> what did he say? But he'd written on the back, uh, Sarah, a true fan of... Philip Schofield and so even though he said oh, that's it an back, understatement I, let's be honest <laughs> I assumed he was gonna like keep it <laughs> like in his house and instead he sent it back but I was so thrilled so I used to whenever I got uh, an envelope from the BBC which generally I'd meant I'd written to Philip Schofield mm. um, I got so excitable and like just bouncy and a bit giddy mm-hmm. that my mum would make me run up and down the hall in the house until I got it out of my system and then I could open it because oh, I wow. just go like up and down, up and down, yeah. up and down. Yeah. Because I had to get this the energy out. 
extra energy. <laughs> what was it about him that you just loved so much? I just, I think he just seemed like a really nice man. And, uh, and yeah, and I, I liked his relationship with Gordon. I thought yeah. they looked, you know, they, they seemed to get on really well there. together. Yeah, special bond. And I think I was never the sort that would, I've never been a wrong side of the tracks kind of gal, you know, mm-hmm. like dangerous men and naughty men. And, and uh, yeah, so after, but after him, then came a phase of Athena prints of, black and white photographs of men in their pants. Yeah, holding uh, tyres. Yeah. Well, I used to have that huge one of yeah. the one holding the tyres. And, and my the baby. dad. Yeah, one of the baby. <laughs> and my dad would go past the, the one with the tyres when he was in my bedroom. He'd go past and he'd go, somebody's put that oil on him because he wanted, <laughs> he wanted me to know that that was a model. That wasn't an actual mechanic. <laughs> and you were like, mm, you sort of missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not why I'm looking at it. Yeah. Um, but my mum would go shopping, like if I was at school and I'd come in and sometimes she'd go, I've got a couple of more pictures for your wall and they'd just be, my mum would be buying me essentially soft porn. Right. And then we'd place it all around my, because uh, I had my cross on the wall there, there. Uh, yeah. You can see. Yeah, so the, so he, Jesus would be surrounded by other men in their pants. <laughs> that's great. Was you quite religious at this age? No, but um, just you know, just raised that way, but not right. raised. No, we didn't go to church or anything, but we were raised uh, Church of England, so we uh-huh. had a cross over our beds the whole time that we were there. But and you didn't see I, any kind of irony or problem with having Jesus surrounded by all these. Muscly... But they were in the similar outfits, though, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> different meaning, different message, different different symbolism going on. But I suppose you've got all the bases covered if you've got Jesus and Athena tire man. I had a very small bedroom, and mm-hmm. uh, and. My sister, because she was first born, had the big bedroom and I got the tiny, tiny bedroom. But it was I had so much more stuff than she had. And I had shelves in the end. I had shelves above my bed that uh, the bookshelves all fell down on my head in, oh. one, in the night ones. And I was fine. But my dad then put the shelves up so sturdy that you could have sat on them. They were so, like, wow. screwed into the wall. Because I had just so much stuff because I bought books all the time and... And obviously all the posters and trinkets of being a teenager, you It's know. such an 80s room as well. Again, it really these, is. I thought they it was... really capture the time. Yeah. <laughs> but also I had I had an imaginary library. That's how I spent my time in my bedroom. Because <laughs> I, I wow. made cards for all of my books. And my teddies would try and get books out. And I'd stamp them. And, oh, yeah. brilliant. So hours of, literally hours of fun. <laughs> but very happy in your own company and completely yeah, yeah, you know, really, absorbed yeah. in your own imagination. <laughs> Yeah, and kind of not too far from that now, really. Quite happy to kill time on my own. Quite like my own company. I think because on tour, while I have a tour support and a tour manager with me now, I didn't mm. always have that. Um, But also, I, I still, even after a show, and even if we've sort of had a cup of tea as like a, you know, a debrief or whatever after the show, I'll still need at least two hours on my own before I go to bed of just right. faffing like reading or watching telly or just playing on my phone or whatever but yeah i still need that i think i saw a counselor once who took well i saw a counselor a lot but one one counselor i saw it was shite but anyway a different story <laughs> uh he'd said he was really perplexed as to how i could play to like two thousand people in a show and then just be in my room on my own and i mm. said no I ha- i have to be on my room on my own that's part of the kind of the 
sort of come down i suppose yeah and he and he said you should you should it's too big to go from 2000 to none and i said like am i supposed to play like a 500 seater on the way home <laughs> what is that sort of thing to say though like what yeah, can you just, do about that well it's just odd isn't it so people just don't understand the job and if you don't get somebody who does understand the job they just yeah. go yeah you shouldn't do that and you're like well that's the job and I, I don't want to go to clubbing straight after I've been on stage. No, That's quite. And also, same. I always think, I mean, it's interesting because I did think before, apart from the one with you and Gary, in all of these pictures, you are on your own. Yeah. And... Uh, and I thought, God, that's quite interesting because a comic is a, a sole figure, a lone figure, aren't they, on stage? Yeah. It's very and much it's very just much, you. Yeah, and there's, you know, that thing of, like, there's the stage and then there's a gap and then there's the audience. Like, I'm not good at a party mm-hmm. at all, yet I can play to thousands of people, but that's because there's a gap and I'm on my own yeah. and they're listening. It's, yeah. a, it's a very, it's not the same as trying to get people's attention at a party. And, no, I agree. Like, I f- it's I find it's a different party, dynamic. Yeah, I was at one fairly recently because I, I sort of felt obliged to go and I actually enjoyed myself. And I think it was because I, I realised that I don't know how to go up to two people who are talking, who I'd like mm-hmm. to talk to and say, I'm here, count yeah. me in now. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. And I realised I was talking to somebody else at the party and she said, nobody knows how to do that. You just So I, what I realised, a really good tip for anybody who's crap at parties, I think, is I pretend I'm going to the toilet Mm-hmm. And I walk past people and I'll go, oh, hi, how are you? And if they embrace me, like if they bring me in, then I'm all right. And if they don't, then I keep going to the toilet. Well, and it's a, a really plan. good... It's a proper yeah. little play. It's a piece of theatre. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I, now that you're talking about yourself and your life and a lot of, spending a lot of time on your own, do you think that's got its roots in that, that, you're, that you worry that people on their own feeling isolated and that you can include them and do the whole, I'm here, you know, that like yeah. you're at the party. I don't know. I hadn't really thought of that, actually. Um, I think I just worry people are on their own all the time and a lot mm. of people love being on their own and good for them and that's great. But I think Christmas Day is just a tricky day because, like, for example, if I was on my own, I don't feel like I could just ring any of my friends because there's a real closed door at Christmas, I think. Well, Christmas is a happy... When you were growing up, did you always have good Christmases? Yeah, always had good Christmases. Yeah, we had... Um, my mum and dad were very good with money in that you saw. Um, you didn't write a list of Santa. You did, but, but you were told how much... So uh, the way my mum and dad worked it is you were told how much mum and dad was able to spend on you that uh-huh. Christmas yeah. because mum and dad sent the money to Santa. So Santa was kind of a personal shopper. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good system. Well, it That's is because it means that you don't feel like um, if you didn't get a big toy that year because money was tight, that you were a bad kid. It's it's such a terrible thing that kids are told. If you yeah. behave well, you'll get big toys. It's it's financial. It's nothing to do with behaviour. So they would say, oh, you're gonna, it's going to be £40 this year. And then we would go through, you know, catalogues or lists of whatever. And yeah. And add it all up to the penny so it got to £40 and then send that list off and then you would get... And we never... Yeah, that, it wasn't really a sense. surprise thing. Yeah. And it meant that 
you were grateful and you thanked your parents as well as thanking Santa because people, I mean, I've not got kids, but it must be really annoying if you've worked your ass off and you've bought these presents and you've wrapped them and you've done all the work and then the kids yeah. are like, thank you, Santa. And you're like, oh, fuck Santa. So <laughs> My dad's one of those weirdos that doesn't even believe in telling kids about Santa. Here, my mum used to argue about it. He's like, it's lying. It's lying to kids. Oh. And my mum was like, but it's magic. It's magical. <laughs> In this next picture here, so in this oh, yellow yeah. Bo Peep outfit, how yeah. old are you there then? So that was at work. That was a, a Christmas Eve. That will have been a Christmas Eve in my job in WH Smith's uh, when I wow. started when I was 16. So you so left could... school after your GCSEs? Uh, I, yeah, because well, there's there was no continuation, so I went to college. Uh, so I, I did. The, so the school didn't. Con- the school ended at sixteen, but I went to South Tensec College. Oh, uh, right. So it's no sixth form years. or any of that. No, uh, and did uh, A levels, uh, and then uh, got a Saturday job or uh, in W H Smith from sixteen, and was there for six years or five years. That is not the and... W H Smith uniform, so you're going to have to talk me through what you're dressed as. <laughs> I wish it was. Oh, wouldn't um, it be great? So. Every Christmas Eve, we were allowed to dress up in fancy dress. Right. So I, I chose, and that was Goldilocks. Yes, That's not everybody, your hair, is it? No, everybody <laughs> thought, my hair's the fuzzy permed bit coming out the front oh, of the it? bonnet. Yeah, totally different hair. <laughs> but, the, um, but my plaits kept getting caught in the till. And everybody <laughs> would, and after a while, I don't know if you've ever been in fancy dress for a prolonged period of time. Not like a night out, but like an eight hour shift. After a while, you forget. You just forget that you've got it on. And people yeah. would shout, where are your sheep? And I'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Because they thought I was Bo Peep uh, right. when I was Goldilocks. And I'd, just, and I'd just get annoyed and go. And then I'd look down and see my plaits getting caught in the till. And I'd be like, I'm Goldilocks, really, like the most livid Goldilocks. <laughs> but Goldilocks was a bit of an arsehole anyway, so it's fine. So you were a bit, were you like a big comedy fan by then? Were you watching Cheers? I mean, you must have Loved been pretty Cheers. keen. Love Cheers. And also, uh, I had a, a, an odd fixation with Kirsty Alley. Um, love Kirsty Alley. Yeah, loved her and everything. Look who's I talking. Cheers. Love look who's oh, talking. I saw the second one, which hardly anybody saw, but I saw it five times at the cinema. Wow. Because <laughs> also Roseanne Barr was one of the voices and I loved Roseanne as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, loved sitcoms. Didn't really know anything about stand-up, I don't think, yet. No. Um, no, but loved, um, you know, Blackadder and all of that and, and all the sitcoms. Loved were that. you funny? Um, I mean, you were funny, but were people laughing, you know, were you being consciously funny? <laughs> with with well, me. Well, quite. I mean, that's the thing, is that were you aware of what comedy was and how you could do it? I think the first time I realised, like, people would, when I left jobs, people would say nice things in my leaving card about me always making them laugh. Or, and so that's the sort of thing I would be like oh I must be funny yeah but and I, I by from the age of 17 I had a column in the free paper for like a film review column oh wow and I had that for four years and I used to fax it in how imagine these days you could just email it I used to have to go to a news agent it's so funny wait. you don't hear the noise of a fax it's such a specific noise <laughs> like you, you don't hear the noise of a Walkman battery running out like when you, <laughs> there are certain sounds that are gone forever and that <laughs> 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 
shape. <laughs> such a, but I used to go to the news agent and hand it in. And the man at the news agent was such a hero yeah. because it didn't always go through. And he'd go, just because I'd have to go to work in W. H. Smith's, and he'd go, just go to work and I'll just keep trying it until it goes oh, through. And it cost me £1.50 each time. Uh, and yeah, and I, uh, so I wrote for, so I, because I knew the free paper was mostly consumed by people who couldn't really afford to buy a paper. So if you can't afford to buy a paper, you can't afford to go to the cinema. Uh-huh. So I used to try and make the reviews funny within themselves. So I think ah. that's probably when I realised that I could write in a funny way. That's interesting. And were you like a film buff? Were you sort of... Enjoy- yeah, always have been. Yeah. Really? And I worked out, not long after that, I worked in the cinema for a couple of years as well. And oh, I loved it. Yeah. I always bought all the film magazines. Those those walls, those shelves in that bedroom will have been full of empires and premieres and all sorts of film magazines. And where's so the especially jump from America and... being a fan and thinking I can perform? Oh, big jump! So that was if I'm sixteen, there I didn't start doing stand up till I was twenty nine. Right, so it's a okay, long, long time. It wouldn't even have occurred I... to the girl in this picture. No. Oh, I would have been horrified. Really? By that. Would you? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Like when I did the school play, like the nativity, I always wanted to be involved, so I was always there in some capacity. Mm. But like the last one, I had was we did a Christmas Carol, and I had a one line. But it meant I was there in amongst it all, all mm. the time because I had to be at all the rehearsals and everything. But I had one line. Never, ever, really, ever wanted to perform. Just far too shy and too quiet. Um, but then, then obviously, it, 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 it when I got divorced, because I was so... Like, everything I'd planned had just gone. Yeah. Uh, I just felt like I could do anything. So it's, it's just, I know you've talked about your divorce and your marriage, mm. both in your book and in your, your stand-up as well. Because I remember, because we started sort of around the same time and a lot of yeah. your early stuff was about your divorce, wasn't it? Yes. Um. So when did you get married? You were quite young. 22, 23. And you were with yeah. him from teen? Like he was... No. Sort of... no okay. I met, I met him at the cinema. So I'd not, I'd, I'd only, I moved in with him after knowing him a couple of months few months right so it's pretty whirlwind and then married like a year later right okay and work-wise you were doing like kind of moving around jobs you didn't have a kind of career as such or no I think I wanted to be a writer but I knew that that or like for a while I wanted to be a film director but I knew all of these things are quite hard to do yeah so I thought if I could have a proper job which you know like a civil service or even in the cinema or whatever that then I could write and then send stuff in because I knew that you didn't get paid as a writer for a long time if at all uh, and so what I sort of stuff write... were you writing I wrote short plays and I wrote short films right and uh and sort of just that sort of thing and, and sent them around different places and got some bites every now and again from things and what like wrote, I... what sort of bites um I I got some I wrote some short plays that I sent to so live theatre is my favourite theatre which is in Newcastle little mm. New Wrighton theatre beautiful place and they used to do these scratch nights where you'd send in five to ten pages of whatever you're working on and they'd pick the best ones and then they'd perform them in front with actors in front of an audience yeah and I used to send mine in but I was never working on a big play I used to just write five pages of dialogue and send it in and it always got picked and it, it they'd perform them and mine were always funny yeah and because I was that was always my inclination and then they'd go around and and get like a a vote from everybody who which one was their favorite one and invariably I won and it's because somebody else had sent in five pages of their you know their 
really heavy duty war play. Right. And I just done a conversation with a couple of nanas. Yeah. And, and you had an instinct that, for it. Well, I think I, I, I think I, somebody gave me a nice compliment really early on saying I wrote like I write like people talk. Yes. And it's because it's not always grammatically correct. And it's, you know, I don't write like a writer. I used to write like it was it sort of lent itself to being allowed uh-huh. and I think maybe that's when I started doing stand-up maybe that was an, a nice benefit and a nice sort of helping hand really in that I was already writing how people talk yeah and the than... rhythms of language yeah and yeah I was always really interested in all the kind of Alan Bennett yeah I was just gonna say well. was it sort of yeah. bit Alan Bennett talking heads yeah um and when and at this stage you didn't really kind of know what stand-up was is that fair? No, I I I started. I I think the first few shows I saw Jeremy Hardy, uh, in a tour show. So I must have been I don't know maybe eighteen, nineteen, something like that when I did that. And I saw uh Sean Hughes. So and... you were going to tour shows. You didn't go to comedy clubs. No, I didn't. Re- I didn't really know comedy clubs existed until I was on at one. Wow, really? Yeah, I had no idea. Was never really well. I from. South Shields, there was never a comedy club in South Shields and there would have been some in Newcastle. Yeah, I was going to say, couldn't go to Newcastle. Didn't know that you could go and watch. But how come you were going to see Tom... um, How come you went to see uh, Jeremy Hardy do a tour show then? Where's the jump between... Because I'd seen him on the telly. Oh, wow. So so I'd seen him on the telly and the same with Sean Hughes. And then you were like, they're coming to town, so we go. Yeah. So we'd go out on a night out, probably with my sister... Because right. she was older and I'd go out with her and stuff. and um, So, yeah, it didn't even occur to me until I did a... So when I got divorced, I started... I went and did a workshop uh, for people who'd written but never performed. Mm-hmm. And it was all poets who wanted to be performance poets. Right. And me. And then at the end of that, it was half-day sort of workshop. And at the end of that, we had to perform in front of an audience. And they had this audience gathered in Gateshead at this sort of, at Cademan Hall, which was like part of near the library, just a nice, uh, nice room. And and it was, I read a monologue that I'd written and I'd not written in years. And it was about my divorce. And some of it was incredibly, like brutally sort of honest and sad. And some of it, as it turned out, was hilarious. Right. And so I read that and then I thought nothing of it. I just ticked it off as a thing. Oh, I'd never, I'd not done anything in front of anybody for years. So since school, so I ticked that off. And then six months later, I contacted the woman who ran the workshop, a woman called Kate Fox, who's a very good friend still now. And, and I rang her and I said, I think I want to try doing stand-up comedy. And she said, I know, like she'd been waiting the whole time. <laughs> like you're coming out. Her. We all yeah. know, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> you're born to be a stand-up. And we, talk, we talked for so long. On like, do you remember like a you know like a like a landline that was corded? Yeah. And we talked for so long that the it was dark in the room because it was light when I started talking to her and I was too far away from the light switch and I was just sitting in the dark at the end of the call because the light had gone and and I couldn't reach the switch yeah. and I was too far away and so she got me my first gig and I went to meet her and I was in such a panic about it going straight from work that I forgot to take all of my notes. Right. So all of the jokes that I'd written, I didn't have them. And I just had to kind of remember what they were. And how did it and, go? Yeah, well, it was five minutes and the first two and a half minutes, just silence, just people arms crossed upstairs in a pub in Biker and they fucking hated me. Oh, right. And then I did a joke about my dad that just, the whole room, like it's only 50 people, but they all just cried laughing. And I thought, 
oh, okay. And I think some people would think, oh, God, that was so stressful. I'm never doing that again. And I just thought, well, that joke's obviously going to be at the beginning. <laughs> right. So you immediately <laughs> had an instinct for how to get better and better and better. Yeah. And then a guy came up to me afterwards who'd been on the bill. And he said, uh, uh, are you willing to travel for this? And I said, yeah, sure. And he gave me a number of a comic in Manchester who ran a gig. And as he walked away, I didn't even save it. As he walked away, I just deleted the number because I was like, I'm not going to travel for this. Wow. What was that about? <laughs> and then I just thought, like, no, this is not going to amount to anything. Why? I, I'm surprised that you had that initial feeling at the beginning. Well, I think also if you if you see it, like I couldn't drive or anything. So right. it would have like, oh, no, like I'd never been to Manchester like ever. Like, why really? would I travel for this? And then obviously I got the bug and I did a handful of gigs the rest of that year. And All then local. In the Jan- yeah. And then in the January, I decided... Right, we're going to do this and we're going to I'm going to travel. I'm going to Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the next picture, I love that picture of you and Gary. Oh, so, so do I. I mean, talking about what comedy brings you, it brought you him, didn't it? It brought you together. Yeah, and that's, we, so that photo, I don't quite know. It's definitely within the first year or two. Right. So I met, I met Gary at my second ever gig. Did you? Yeah, he was on, he was replacing Nick Coppin. I could be married to Nick Coppin now. (laughs) (laughs) What a sliding doors thought. (laughs) I know. But yeah, he was, so I was doing the corner house in Newcastle. Right. For Warren, for Warren Speed. And Gary did the opening 20. Gary was on the circuit how long before you? Only a couple of years right. ahead of me. Yeah. So he was doing, he did the opening 20 and I was doing like a seven in the middle. Mm-hmm. And he was amazing, uh, as he is. And the first thing, so I did my set. I didn't really talk to the other comics because I, I, I came with like friends. Right. So I sat with my friends, you know, and, and he did that. And he didn't really, because I didn't really know the comics. Yeah. And then... And then the first thing, when I came off stage, the first, I went to the back of the room where the comics were hanging out then. Yeah. And the first thing he said to me was, you rock. Aww. And it's on the inside of our wedding rings. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, bloody first... hell, Sarah, that's romantic. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's, the first, it's the first thing he ever said to me. And uh, and I, I had had a, a good gig. It had gone very well, yeah. which was nice. And that photo, because I think initially we were going out. We didn't tell anybody we were going out. I remember. I, think... I remember. I remember seeing you around Edinburgh eating chips, and I was like, "What's going on there? <laughs> What's going on with those two eating chips over there?" And then it, you, and then you. Oh, something's never changed. We still eat chips now. <laughs> it's very. It's a really emotional. It's why emotional we, food for us. <laughs> why did you keep it a secret initially? I think because. Um, we didn't. Gary is quite private anyway. Mm. I'm not. I'm an open door. Um, but I think we didn't want anybody to think like if I was doing okay, we didn't want anybody to think it was because he was sort of right and like this. There's a comic who shall remain nameless who told me only a few years ago that he was. He genuinely thought that Gary was writing all of my jokes when oh. I first started, and that's how I was doing all right. And I said, Gary can't write long jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but your comedy is so your voice. I mean, it's but extremely it's so authentic. Uh, you can't, someone else can't write it. Exactly. And that's, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah, it was a very odd to, to think that somebody just assumed that because I was going out with a comic that he must be doing it all rather than me just 
being quite good. And it was because I'd written for years. I didn't right. start writing stand-up at the same time as I started performing stand-up. I'd been writing something funny for years. Yeah, yeah. So I think I came to it like as a more experienced writer than somebody who's starting from brand new. You right. Know? Um, but, but yeah, but I mean, I, I had shitty gigs like everybody does, but it's about sort of learning from it and not and not going oh well i'm not very good at this just going right what did i do wrong well how could i make that better yeah so what are the and pros and cons of being in a comedy couple uh i don't know that there are any cons um pros are i mean we just howl a lot of the time yeah but um like especially at the minute because we've never spent this amount of time together like we you know we're 10 weeks into lockdown now that yeah we've been together and only seen each other and I said, isn't it lovely that I'm, we don't, we're not sick of each other. We're not desperate to get away from each other. We're, you know, it's really nice. It's yeah. a nice confirmation of something I suspected, but it's nice to be You don't right. want to have, to have a global pandemic to prove that you've made the right life partner choices, <laughs> do you? But I bet some people have realised they hadn't made the right decision. Oh, wow. <laughs> we're too late, mate. Horrendous. That's it. We're in lockdown yeah. and you're locked in. <laughs> exactly. Listen, thank you so much for sharing your pictures oh. and stories. Thank you. It's been a real joy. Oh, it's been joy. so much fun. Thank you, darling. It's just nice talking to you as well. Oh, it's lovely. I love hearing people's stories. That's it for this week. The rest of Series 1 is available with all the photos on our Instagram page. And Jen and I will be doing new episodes every week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.